WERU is made possible by the generous support of our listeners. Thank you. You're listening to WERU 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, and streaming at WERU.org. A quick look at the weather before we go to main currents. Isolated showers after 3 p.m., mostly cloudy today with a high of 64. Tonight, 52. Slight chance of showers. Tomorrow, mostly sunny and a high of 76. Mostly clear with a low of 50 on Friday night. Saturday, mostly sunny with a high of 73. And Saturday night, 49. Got a sunny Sunday, 72. Thank goodness for that. Spring is here. You sometimes just wouldn't know it. Monday, mostly sunny with a high near 70. Monday night, low near 49, cloudy. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 70. And Tuesday night, a low of 49, partly cloudy. Stay tuned for Main Currents. And this is Main Currents, independent, local. I don't know if you can hear me. All right, that theme music is really loud. There we go. This is Bain Currents, independent local news, views, and culture. I'm your host, Amy Brown. We've got John Greenman running the board and a room full of guests here in the studio and one on the phone. And we will be opening the phone lines later in the show to take your calls as well. On a recent Maine Currents program, or actually on a few of them, we've uh, had some coverage of the proposals to build land-based salmon aquaculture facilities in Bucksport and in Belfast. And today we're going to be taking a closer look at the Belfast proposal, which seems to be drawing a lot more controversy. My guests today are a representative for the company Nordic Aqua Farms, a longtime Belfast city councillor, a Belfast resident who writes and teaches about sustainability, and a longtime Belfast business owner who's also known for her promotion of sustainability. And I'm going to have each of them introduce themselves and just take a few minutes to state their positions on this project. We'll be watching the clock, keeping them to five minutes so that at about 20 minutes after, a little beyond that possibly, we'll be opening the phone lines to take your call as we continue the discussion. So hold off until after that, until we give the phone number before you call in. It makes sense to start with Ted O'Meara, the uh, representative here for Nordic Aqua Farms, to give an overview. And after that, I'm going to draw names to see who goes second, third, and fourth. So, Ted, welcome to Maine Currents. Thank you for coming in. So uh, go ahead and uh, tell us about the project, please. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you for having us. And it's uh, it's good to see John Greenman uh, behind the board. We go we go back many years and a lot of interviews together in the past. Um, this is a very exciting project to me as someone who has who grew up near here and uh, has spent my whole life living and working in Maine. Uh, I, I think this is a, a project that uh, that is very exciting and really speaks to the future of our state. It's it's really a marriage of our great heritage of the sea and 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 a producer of, of quality seafood uh, and Norwegian innovation and and expertise and, and know how Norway is one of the of course one of the leading countries in the world in aquaculture. So we're we're really uh, sort of combining our heritage uh, of the sea and seafood uh, with the expertise of of, uh, of this Norwegian company. Looking at it from a very high level. Today we import about ninety percent uh, of of the fish we consume. Um, you know that's uh, that's a problem uh, in terms of just the the cost of transporting that and, and the carbon footprint of, of flying fish over to this country. Um, 
our oceans in, in many cases are are overfished and, and certainly stressed with with global warming and pollution, yet our, our need for protein is growing and, and uh, experts around the world point to fish farming as the answer. And be, between now and 2030, it's estimated that we're going to need an additional 46 uh, million tons of seafood and we're not going to get that from the oceans. The only way we're going to get it is, is through aquaculture and fish farming. Um, so, so the need is there. The demand is there. Um, how do we get to Belfast? Uh, Nordic Aquafarms, which uh, is, is a, a small but very successful company in Norway with facilities in Norway and Denmark, uh, began looking over a year ago for a site in the United States uh, to build uh, a, a, a land-based uh, aquaculture facility. Um, Consultants that they hired uh, really scoured the whole coast from from Maryland to the Canadian border and came up with several sites in Maine that might fit their needs in terms of of needing both freshwater, having proximity, uh, having ample freshwater, but also proximity to saltwater. And the Belfast site was identified as 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 a good match for that in discussions. Uh, then t- took place with the city and the council, and then the, the the company was was welcomed to Belfast, and and uh, the the deal was put together to acquire the water district land, and um, and 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 to move forward with this. Now, uh, after all all that was announced in in January, as we said, there was going to be a period of due diligence. You have to make sure: does this site really work? Can you get the water? Uh, that you need to make this facility work, and can you do it in a sustainable way? Because the last thing uh, this company wants to do is, is come in and, and you know drain an aquifer dry. That doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help them, and it, and it doesn't uh, certainly help help the community. So a lot of work was done uh, over the last few months with test wells and, and testing to make sure that that there was an adequate water supply and, and those those tests all uh, proved positive and, and that there there would be um, ample fresh water to do it in a way that was sustainable and and, and would not uh, hurt the aquifer so uh, here we are today uh, we're now in the engineering phase getting ready to file permits both with the city and with the DEP and a whole number of agencies um, this is going to be a really leading edge facility environmentally friendly it will fit in with the landscape it's not going to disturb the trails that, that are on the site it's going to preserve the the dam and the reservoir and the brick building there that everybody cares about it's going to create jobs it's going to increase the tax base and and I think you know we will look back and see that this project will take its place uh, in Belfast as a as an important part of the community, just as Front Street Shipyard is today, and just as MBNA and later Athena Health uh, became. And you know what we have tried to do throughout this whole process is be open and transparent. And uh, we've had three public uh, public meetings. We've sent out newsletters, and that's all going to continue. So all right. Uh, that's five minutes. Thank you. All right. Thank and, you. And uh, I'm sure we'll get to a lot of that in much more detail. And the next name that I pulled out of my imaginary hat here is Mike. Mike Hurley. Introduce yourself, please, and, uh, and <clears throat> let us know where you stand on this proposal. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, <clears throat> Mike Hurley of Belfast. I'm currently in the middle of my uh, seventh elected term, uh, three terms as mayor, eight years, and uh, now 
the fourth two-year term uh, representing the people of Belfast. In Belfast, we represent all elected – all uh, people of Belfast. Well, we have to serve from a ward – uh, come from a ward. Uh, we do respond. We, we we do serve everybody. Uh, I want to say a couple of things. Number one, it's great to be here in Orland, Maine, home of one of the uh, main fish hatcheries, uh, one of the more than dozen uh, land-based uh, fish aquaculture sites in Maine, and uh, and it's a great facility, and people should go visit it. Uh, the other thing I want to say is I'm speaking for myself as a city councilor. I am not speaking on behalf of the city council. Uh, I'm going to tell you my perspective, what my views are. The administration of Belfast, including the city manager, the planners, the economic development people, uh, they first fielded this inquiry as they would uh, uh, anything. Uh, we have a lot of times uh, where people come to us with uh, – you know, all kinds of things that first go to the administration. They don't go to the city council. And uh, after they vet it and, you know, listen to it, they come to us and say, what do you think? Uh, they came to us in uh, very early November. I think our new mayor, Samantha Parody, uh, uh, had been, it was her first day on the job when she got called in and said, here's this thing happening. And uh, uh, so off we went. Uh, then we were right behind her on uh, – uh, listening to it. Uh, we certainly did the exact same thing everybody else did. What's it going to do to the water? What's it going to do to the land? What's it going to do to the trails? Uh, what's uh, the economic impact of the uh, cost uh, for them? Uh, what's the – I'm not going to call it trade-offs, but what are the adverse impacts uh, on neighbors, on the land, on uh, anything? Uh, and we certainly have paid – deep attention to that. Uh, once we pretty much came to agreement that we wanted to at least give them a shot to bring it forward, uh, that's when it came public. Uh, we've since had a bunch of meetings. We've had uh, heard from a lot of people uh, and uh, we're continuing to do it. We, I remain uh, convinced uh, that it's not going to harm the aquifer. I trust Belfast Water District. They are conservative with a small C. Uh, they are really about conserving the Belfast water supply. And uh, they are absolutely uh, firm that we have plenty of water. And this water is on its way to the ocean. It's going to take a short detour, go around in a circle, and then head out to the ocean after it's been quite cleaned up. Uh, the In terms of the cleanup, uh, I think people exaggerate that dramatically. Uh, everybody around Penobscot Bay flushes their toilet, and unless you have a you know your own little system, it's all headed into uh, the bay. We're talking over three hundred thousand people, twenty million gallons a day of treated water that goes into the Penobscot Bay uh, River and Bay, and apparently that's not killing the, the bay. We're doing pretty good. Economically, that's the number one issue for us in terms of the effect on our tax base, the positive effects. Uh, we see this as a great way to lower the tax burden on the people of Belfast and, uh, and or make it possible to do things that the people of Belfast want. 
So that's where we are right now. All right. You came in just under five minutes. Thank you. Uh, and the next name I pulled, it happens to be the third guest that's with me here in the studio. Uh, Jim Merkel, can you introduce yourself, please, and let people know where you stand on this issue? Yeah, I'm Jim Merkel from Belfast, and I've worked at Unity College teaching sustainability. I worked at Dartmouth College as their sustainability coordinator, and it's a topic I may have that 10,000 hours in in my life on sustainability. been working in it for 30 years, and uh, this thing smells like a real red herring to me, and if you just take some words that I wouldn't be allowed to say in Canada, salmon farming kills communities, salmon farming spread diseases, seriously damages health, kills wild baby salmon. If you say these, you could get $500,000 fine. They've already fined an, an organization like me who was bringing these concerns up in Canada. Warning, salmon farming can seriously damage health of wild salmon, harming wildlife and spreading diseases, on and on. And all these things became true. And one of the largest aquaculture firms uh, filed a slap suit, strategic lawsuit against public participation, and silenced this guy. And Alexandria Morton is a friend of mine out in B.C., and she made friends with the salmon farmers. And she said, well, maybe this is a good thing. She showed them the farmers took this – I mean the fishermen took them to their best – fishing holes, and that's where they put the pens. They brought them there to tell them not to, and that's where they brought their pens. Then came sea lice, then came piscine real virus, then came heart and skeletal muscle inflammatory disease. And they always says there's no problem. That's what the industry says. Morton, Alexandria Morton, is a scientist and a friend of mine. She's been fighting these people tooth and nail. And for me, the comeback of the Elwives is the most inspiring thing. I mean, I go every year my family makes a pilgrimage to – Bagadus to Walker Pond, and we see thousands and thousands of Elwise coming up. We went to the Dharmascata with the homeschool group, a million fish coming up in Belfast, zero, because we haven't taken out their dams. And if we took, and, and Nordic Aquifer is saying, oh, we're going to keep the dam. And that, that's the one thing they say they're going to do is keep the dam. I'm like, Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, but as a father, I cannot let one more nail go into the coffin of our destroyed, collapsed, terrorized sea. This is a national disaster. I mean, this industry is known as disaster capitalists because they thrive when the ecosystem is poisoned and diseased. Alexandria Morton caught the industry. Marine Harvest, who operates right down and bought up uh, Duck Trap, who Eric Heim may reference that he like he hardly knew him, but it's the largest aquaculture firm in the world with 10,000 employees in 20 countries, and he doesn't – he just kind of knows him. Eric Heim being the CEO, the CEO of CEO of Nordic Aquafarm. So in this public dog and pony show, I call that he's pretending he kind of didn't know him or whatever. And these players could buy this Nordic Aquafarm up any minute with just buying their stocks. So they have to prove they can have no impact, and they cannot prove it. The bay is very sensitive. So we're looking at two big gyres of high nitrogen water entering the bay, one on each side of Islesboro, right off the tip of Turtlehead. I sail this area all the time. The studies from 1998 show that it's even sensitive, the currents, to the wind direction. So we could have a cesspool gyre out there of high nitrogen water, and there's no way they can prove. They don't even have studies yet to show what happens. There's three layers of water moving in different directions depending on all sorts of influences, salinity being one of them, wind direction. And I see this as the biggest threat to the comeback of our wild fish stocks, our ground fishery, which has collapsed because we have no 
Elwise, which is the base of the food chain. And we could have literally millions of them up the Pisagasawake, the Little River, the Marsh Stream. All these other streams could be full of fish, but they're not. And, our, you know, so in, instead we're doing these other things like misleading the public. They had six months of closed-door sessions. No public, no critics, nobody. They say they've done, done due diligence. I was there when they had a packed, three packed hearing rooms. The council went on like no one was there. 130 comments, almost 95% against the project. They're pretending no one's there, and they rubber stamped it. I mean, I feel like so violated by this process. And then they say, then the next thing they do is have a dog a pony show to tell us how great they are. I mean, that's not a public process. This is hiding. The, the last question came out in the public in their dog and pony show was about the nitrogen and how high it is. And, you know, so the thing is, a sustain, for, as a sustainability professional, there's no such thing as a sustainable monoculture. It just can't happen. They're basically breeding grounds for stronger diseases. There's no way you can control uh, disease, pathogens, and the industry itself has a horrible, horrible history. And the people who fought against him, I was on a, on a fishing boat with the scientists in British Columbia when they arrived and meeting with the experts out there. And they fought him tooth and nail, and, and they're still fighting this industry. And this industry could take over Nordic Aqua Farms at any point. Jim, you, you're, out, you're at your five okay. minutes here, but uh, you'll have more time to speak all later. Right, Thank all right. you. So, Thanks. And uh, yeah, thank you. And I believe we have joining us by phone Ellie Daniels. Are you with us, Ellie? Yes, I am. All thank right. you, Amy. Thank you for yeah. joining us. And you've been able to hear what everyone's had to say so far. Yes, I have. Okay, so if you could go ahead and introduce yourself and let everybody know where you stand on this topic. Sure. Uh, I'm Ellie Daniels. Uh, I'm a member of the Local Citizens for Smart Growth, and I've lived in Waldo County since 1983. I've also owned a downtown retail business for the last 25 years, and I live on the Perkins Road, which happens to be next to the proposed industrial salmon farm site. So I think it's important for you to know that last fall, the city of Belfast and the Belfast Water District did engage in a closed-door negotiation with Nordic Aqua Farm to sell them a piece of mature-growth green space bordering the Little River and the reservoirs in a residential zone on the south side of our town. A purchase contract was entered into contingent upon a zoning change and investigations of the site for its suitability. Following that, the city council spent several weeks also meeting an executive session to deliberate the details of the proposed project. In the beginning of February, a public announcement was made and the council moved forward quickly to propose the necessary zoning change. On April 17th, following weeks of concerned letters and interviews in local media, testimonies to the council and city staff, and a four-hour meeting in which more than 125 people stood in the hallway in order to attend, the zoning was changed unanimously from residential to industrial. The concern and objections were loud and clear, and they seemed to fall on deaf ears. And my counselors certainly did not represent me. This zoning change first required a change to Belfast's comprehensive future land use plan, which was drafted in 2009 through an exhaustive state-prescribed process, which included a diverse group of citizens, business, industry, and city planning representatives, and which represented a cross-section of interests and opinions. 
all of this democratic process seems to have been set aside in the interest of securing the desires of a large international corporation whose first priorities are its investors to construct a massive industrial salmon farm of a scale never before attempted in a previously residential and recreational area with little consideration of the desires or the concerns of the city's citizens and taxpayers. The industrial fish farm itself represents the antithesis of everything I've come to know and value about Belfast and Waldo County. Rather than being small, local, biodiverse, and sustainable, it will be a massive international monoculture concentrated animal feed operation with all of the associated issues and challenges. Despite Nordic Aquafarm's marketing rhetoric using words such as sustainable and organic, they cannot prove that our wells won't go dry as they extract 1,200 gallons of water every minute from wells at the bottom of the Little River watershed. They cannot guarantee that they will source their fish food in Maine or that the protein requirements to grow 30,000 tons of carnivorous salmon annually will not completely deplete our small fish populations in the process. They cannot prove that the discharge of 1,600 pounds of nitrogen-rich effluent every day into Penobscot Bay will not alter the ecosystem and fisheries, which are just now beginning to recover from the chicken economy. They cannot promise that there are yet to be identified markets for all of their tons of waste, much of it salty and unsuitable for many purposes. They cannot use the word sustainable for a facility that will cover 25 acres of rooftop with solar panels, but only be producing 6 to 10% of the energy needed to operate. Like so many communities today, we're all struggling to make smart and sustainable decisions under heavy pressures. These decisions must include the voices of the people who will live with the outcomes. The people who reside, do business, recreate, and raise families here. We're eager and we're up to the task. Nordic Aquafarms does not represent the values, the lifestyle, or the desires of Belfast. Ellie, I'm going to have you go this, ahead and wrap up real quick. You're at five minutes. Okay. This issue does not concern just Belfast, but every single town downstream, every aquifer in Maine, every person concerned about energy use and climate change. Every conscious consumer making choices about what they eat, every person on the planet who knows that biodiversity, protection of water and resources, local control, and a fully empowered citizenry are essential for a truly sustainable future. Thanks, Ellie. That's Ellie okay, Daniels. And, and Ellie will be with us for the hour as well by phone. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU-FM. I'm Amy Brown. Today we're talking about Nordic Aquafarms and uh, uh, their proposal to build a facility in Belfast. And now that my guests have had a chance to say a few words and they all want to respond to each other and we'll get to that as well. Uh, we're going to take a closer look at the project 
give an opportunity to do that. And we're also opening the phone lines for callers. Uh, and the one phone line that we have open, someone I see has already called in on. So be patient. You will get busy signals for a while. We've got Ellie by phone because she couldn't be here in person. So uh, that leaves us one phone line into the studio. But do keep trying back if you don't get through. The number is 469-0500, 469-0500. Or you can call toll-free at one 625 Just a few ground rules. This is a divisive topic uh, with many people who probably usually find themselves political allies in Belfast, finding themselves on different sides on this issue, which makes it slightly unusual. We've got friends that are on opposite sides of uh, the issue with other friends that they usually agree with. As always here at WERU, we're going to keep this conversation civil. We are not going to tolerate any name-calling, and I only bring that up because that has arisen with this topic and other formats. Um, And we're going to try to cover as much ground as possible, so we're going to ask you to please be succinct with your questions and with your answers. If you have a specific person on the panel that you're directing your question or your comment to that you want a response from, please say who that is, uh, and then after you've said your question or comment, hang up so that the next caller can get through. We have Paul Bernacki on the line. Welcome, Paul. Uh, Good morning, everybody. Paul Bernacki from Belmont Corners. I'm a consultant on coastal erosion issues, and we work to to, uh, restore and repair a landscape that's been ravaged for hundreds of years and artificially developed. And... um, I'm also I'm also a sailor. I've been sailing the inner bay for thirty plus years now, and I was particularly um, uh, astounded by uh, the two studies of the circulation patterns of the upper bay. And uh, one was by a, a Chinese woman who was a student at the University of Maine, and the other was by a man who actually familyed and grew up and went to Yale University named uh, Halsey, and uh, these two people have done studies of the Bay. They are they're online studies, and they were recommended to me by the University of, of Maine uh, marine scientists that I spoke to, and, uh, and I'll let them speak for themselves when the time comes. But what I'd like to say is that what I listened to the speaker representing Nordic Aquifarms, and I heard exactly the same prepared script words at the two information meetings, repeated over and over and over again. And I, I'm not hearing I'm not hearing any details come out except by specific questioning, like how many pounds of nitrogen. So, I, I my my question is is if these are all public information meetings and due diligence has been performed, why does Nordic Aquafarm staff and representatives keep using the word dispersal in deep currents when the deep currents do not disperse, when the pipeline is going to create warm, warmer, brackish water full of nitrogen wastes, which are going to float to the surface, and not disperse, but dilute. I've been listening to dilution is the uh, solution to pollution for my entire lifetime. And as a result of that, I'm hearing the same thing now from these modern ecological Norwegians uh, who who purport to have our good and, and the world. 
everything on our mind. So I, I really want to hear from the Nordic representative. Okay, let's let what pa- studies they've done that that show that this is actually going to happen. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for your call and for that question, Paul. Uh, and he's directing that to Ted O'Meara, who is here representing Nordic Aquafarms today. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, Amy, if I could, I'd just like to go back um, to a few things Jim said first, and then I'll, I'll address Paul's issue. You know, all, all the issues Jim were talking about have to do with with sea pen uh, salmon farming, uh, which has been around. Are you for talking quite about a, the Canadian the Canadian slap yeah. suit? and and the sea lice and all of that? Uh, Land-based aquaculture, which this is, is an answer to the concerns of CPEN. There is no fish escape. There is no issue of lice because it's all contained on land. There is no uh, issue of, of uh, having to use antibiotics and, and things to, to, to treat the fish uh, because they, they are – uh, on land, the, the waste is dealt with in a responsible way. It's filtered out. It's not just going to the sea bottom. So, you know, to to make a comparison between what we're talking about here for Belfast and 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 uh, and, and you know, the sea pen industry is is really not uh, not a fair comparison. Well, the, the waste is a segue into what Paul Bernanke right. was asking, though, about the discharge and, pipe, and, and there is some waste there. Yes. So talk about what that's going to be, uh, how much, and respond to his question. Phosphorus, for instance, I think – I can't remember the exact number. I think it's six to eight pounds. That's equivalent to 12 one-acre house lots before you apply fertilizer to the lawn. Um, the nitrogen numbers, I, I don't have those exactly in front of me. Uh, this is it all – It says about 1,600 pounds per day. That That's probably in the ballpark. Um the discharge, uh, you know, th- those numbers are being refined and worked on. They are going to be scrutinized by the main DEP, by the Army Corps. They are not – they are going to be within acceptable limits. They are going to be probably less than a lot of the other discharge that's already taking place into the bay. Uh, no one here is interested in, uh, in, in, in putting pollutants into the bay that are going to to harm the bay. And so that is all – those numbers will all be out there in the applications, they will be scrutinized. The public will have an opportunity uh, to look at them. So I, I think to get into uh, a discussion today about, uh, you know, what exactly those are right down to the to the decimal point and, uh, you know, that's also going to impact on where the outflows take place. So I mean, this, this is a very involved, complicated process. Okay. But the, but the upshot is not to do anything that is going to harm this bay. And these questions will continue well, to come up until they get answered. We have another okay. caller. I'm not sure who it is, but uh, caller, can you go ahead and say your first name, where you're calling from, and who your question or comment is for? Uh, yeah, my name is Susan Dexter. I'm from Belfast, and it's sort of a general question, mostly for um, Ted and for Mike, that you've said there were studies done to guarantee or at least assure that the water table would be sufficient to supply both local needs and the massive demands of this facility. Now, how can you possibly know with climate change changing everything about our water, our water, you know, our precipitation and our water tables, they're all over the place in terms of predictions. Nobody really knows. So how can you assure that this very valuable, fragile resource will, in fact, be there 
for everybody if we continue to get drought years like we have in this past few. Thank so you for your question, that's Susan. Something I can't understand. Thank you, Susan. We're going to let Mike Curley uh, take that first. Well, thank you, Susan. That's a good question, and it's really important. I mean, one of the, uh, you know, people say often the truth is uh, the first victim in any war. And one of the things we've been dealing with is people making outrageous claims and basically allegations of untruths that are really hard to tell people. You know, we have a government today, and by the way, the city government of Belfast doesn't have a single climate change denier. We believe in climate change, and we have a climate change committee, and we're serious about that. Um, So the question is, is during climate change, are we going to lose water? Uh, You know, there was just a study done that there is an increase, a huge increase, not in less water, but in 71% higher rainstorms. So the aquifer is not, you know, when the Belfast Water District tells us they they had a sustainable 800,000, 800 million gallons a day, we're down right now to 200 million uh, because the chicken plants and the shoe, uh, sardine plants uh, went out of business. And now we're, if we use these numbers, and I'm not going to, first off, uh, Nordic Aquaculture hasn't even, finished what size they might be so it's hard to come up with correct numbers uh but they will be nowhere near uh even uh with you know what was traditionally used will it lower the water table i don't believe it they've done some testing uh this is a huge aquifer heading toward the ocean they did tests uh and i personally am going to put some faith i realize nobody has faith anymore in anything And I understand that because you have even the president of the United States questioning every single thing that might be true, uh, actually true. And uh, so but I'm going to put some faith in the EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers that they're not going to uh, and in the city of Belfast. We're not going to uh, allow something that's going to like pump an aquifer dry and really. Well, this is an like, EPA and an Army Corps of Engineers. It's yeah, run exa- by that very same president who questions well, the Well, yeah, but ask, ask Penobscot uh, McCrum, did the EPA not fine them $50,000 or something for putting some ammonia into Belfast Harbor? What was that? Just last year. Uh, so, you know, they're not all completely uh, turned into instruments of uh, uh, Donald <clears throat> Trump. I'm not sure if we have it. Are you signaling that we have another caller, John, or is that Susan from Belfast that we just spoke with with Susan from Belfast? So, all right, we're going to let Ted. Okay, we're going to let Ted and then Jim. And but remember, if we keep if we go too long on any one question, we're limiting the number of questions we get to. So please be brief. I'd also like to wait. Okay. Okay. And we have another Susan from Belfast waiting after that. So in terms of the aquifer and the testing and the modeling it was done, it's based on a worst case scenario. It is based on on, on on drought years. So again, this is a huge watershed. We're down at the very end of it, as Mike pointed out earlier, really capturing the water just before it goes into the bay, using it and sending it back out into the bay. Okay. Um, and, and as I said before, uh, this company has no interest in making an uh, in, in investment, uh, the kind of investment they'll be making in this facility, 
if there's not a sustainable water yield there. It, it would be foolish for them to do it. And, and so, uh, you know, the, the testing and the modeling that we have done shows I, – I think we, we figured out – uh, you know, if you, if you use a penny analogy, out of 100 pennies, seven and a half would represent the the water that's being uh, withdrawn, but it's also being continually replenished. So okay. it's not like a, it's not a cumulative withdrawal. Moving on, uh, Ellie and Jim both want to weigh in on this, and we do have a caller waiting, so please all be brief. Ellie? Yes. Ellie Daniels, go ahead. Yeah, I would just like to say that uh, water is the new oil, and uh, you can – Go to a bookstore and uh, see five or six books that talk just about this issue going on around the globe. It's no accident why uh, Nestle is in Maine, and I also don't think it's an accident why uh, we're going to see more uh, land-based fish farms in Maine, and that is because we have very lax water laws. I want to point out that uh, at uh, uh, according to uh, Nordic Aqua Farms' own predictions, that they will be drawing uh, 630 million gallons of water potentially out of the watershed, as well as buying up to 262 million gallons of water every year from uh, the Belfast Water District. And this nearly is equal to four facilities of Nestle's in Maine. And so uh, we all are aware of Nestle and uh, the worries about it. Kingfield took a city action and capped the draw out of their aquifer to 200 million gallons a year. Um, we should think of this kind of activity, this industrial salmon farm, as um, a Nestle-type consumer of water. Jim Merkel, quickly. Yeah, and I'd like to say, um, when I mentioned the problems with sea pens, I understand that it, this is proposed on land, but all the consequences were unknown and, they, and the industry, as an industry, claimed they weren't going to happen. And they're still claiming they're not happening. They're not. And Alexandria Morton watched them put diseased fish into the pen, known diseased fish. And these are the things they get away with. And they are right now at Duck Trap. The same company that did that is owning Duck Trap. And they say our concerns are hypothetical. Hypothetical is this project to me. It's yes. hypothetical because... It's never been built before. It's seven times larger than any. This company's only been in the business for a few years. They aren't sustainability people. They're investors. This is, they could sell this investment off like that to the largest aquaculture firm in the world that slap suits. They just got fined $20 million by the EU, the same company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait let's okay, be clear. Four, okay, let's be clear. Wait, 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 but these are a lot of these are. This is the industry. Okay, this is the industry we're talking let's about. Try to, okay, let's try to stick to the question yeah, the person's th- asking, so that we can get to as many questions sure. as possible. Bring up like several different issues. I'm just saying these are unknowns. Having time to respond to them is going to get us way off track, and we've had somebody waiting on the phone now for at least five minutes. So, Susan in Belfast, thank you for your patience. Go ahead with your question or comment. Please let us know which of the panel members you're addressing it to, if you are. Um, I, it's a general comment. Um, so I'm part of Comboating, which is a Belfast nonprofit, and and we um, take people out rowing on the water. And so there's a lot of rowing and sailing, and and we've been watching, like you know, we we do you know watch look for fish and animals and and you know we enjoy being out in the water, and and that's a really big part of our community, of the Belfast community, and. Um, and I, I have seen that it, Belfast is drawing more and more people who are interested in, in, in this beautiful place where we are. And, um, and, you know, and it's, you know, environmentally healthy area. And it's just, uh, 
making creating this largest of its kind salmon factory on our shores in the world. That, that it, I, I'm really concerned um, that um, of the potential impact on the chemistry of the bay and what that is going to do to the ecology uh, of our our bay, to our marine environment. And I I my I question why um, Belfast, the city of Belfast, would take on such industrial industrial project when um, when our, our our town is really it's really blossoming in so many ways and and it has an increased draw of people. So that's my general comment. Are you addressing I, um, that to uh, Mike Hurley or to Ted O'Mara? Um, I guess both. You know, okay. I mean, if yeah. we can get them both to weigh in quickly, and we're going to try to get as many calls as possible. So thank you for uh, for your questions, Susan. I want to just let people know who may be just joining us. You're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. I'm Amy Brown. We're talking today about Nordic Aqua Farms and their proposal to build a facility in Belfast. My guests are Ellie Daniels is with us on the phone. She's a business owner in Belfast. We have uh, City Councilor Mike Hurley, Nordic Aqua Farms spokesperson Ted O'Mara, and Jim Merkel, a Belfast resident and author of uh, Radical Simplicity, Small Footprints on a Finite Earth, as well as doing other sustainability teaching. We have another caller waiting, but we're going to at least give people a chance to uh, respond to the calls as they come in. Uh, Ted, do you want to go first with that last yeah, caller? Uh, you know, again, Nordic Aqua Farms is not going to do anything that is going to harm the bay. Uh, that is not uh, that is not they're compatible with their values as a company, and the regulators are not going to allow it. All of this is going to be carefully reviewed by the main DEP uh, through that process. It's a very rigorous process. There will be part of of that if the license, if the permit is granted, will be ongoing monitoring to make sure. So this is not we're just going to stick a pipe out there and, and you know and, and see what happens. This is all going to be very carefully considered. Uh, if it's anything that's going to harm the bay, it's not going to be allowed. And once the facility is up and running, there will be continuous monitoring to make sure there are no adverse effects. And so, Susan, thank you for voting a great local organization. Uh, I want to say I've had a, a mooring uh, right off where you guys launch every day since uh, 1979. I've been sailing on uh, out of Belfast Harbor ever since then. Uh, wonderful, beautiful place to sail from. Uh, secondly, as you uh, uh, row upriver, just as you pass the tugboats, you go immediately over the outflow of the Belfast water pollution treatment where 400,000 gallons every day of treated sewage go out into the bay. And I think it works pretty well. The, the bay looks pretty good. And uh, that's uh, when people flush the toilet, that's where it goes afterwards. I just want to say a couple other things, which is quickly that Nestle's is exporting water. We are not exporting water here. We're not talking about exporting water. This is water that's coming up out of a pump, through a tank, back into the ocean where it was headed. And I really think it's a misstatement to do that. Lastly, I just want to say to Jim's point about the Norwegians, you know, first off, uh, people act like the, I, I actually had somebody say to me, you know, the Norwegians used to be known for rape and pillage uh, like they were Vikings. Uh, this was a German guy. And I said, really, you want to go there? Uh, but I really want to say that I share Jim, Jim's perspective uh, about this company, about any company. Uh, 
trust but verify. These Anything we make a deal with or an agreement is going to be based on long-term and standards, not on who we're dealing with. Uh, I've had a lot of people say to me, well, the Norwegians, they're so green. And I could care less about that. It's all about standards and enforceability for this people of Belfast. Ellie Daniels, quick comment. Uh, Yes, I'd just like to say uh, this is true. We're not exporting water. We're talking about exporting uh, uh, fish um, out of our state, profits out of our state. I have worked for years and years on the buy local movement and on the fair trade movement. And uh, not only is this really um, unbelievable that we would have such a large uh, international company that would be taking its profits not not only out of the state but out of the country and also i would also like to bring up the issue of uh just what the life is of a salmon in a salmon farm uh i want to say that i read the most disgusting thing about uh an anesthetic that is put into the tanks so that they can handle the fish when it's time to process them Jim Merkel, quick comment, and then we have another caller waiting. And I'd like to say the bay doesn't look good. It's dead. The fishery has collapsed. And this project, it takes clean, drinkable water and turns it black. It turns it into sewage. At 650,000 gallons, that's what it's doing. And long term, I mean, there's no guarantee this company isn't bought out. The stocks can be bought up at any point by the largest aqua, and that they're in trouble around the world. Their sites are full of lice. They're they're in the media all the time, marine harvest, and they're looking for a way out. And this could be a way out is to try to go to pens, these uh, land pens. And I think it's it's the worst thing uh, that we could possibly do. It's a CAFO. It's a huge CAFO, like pig farms, chicken farms. We've we've seen a. Uh, all the deregulation, all the mercury in the rivers, all the Superfund sites. You go out to Brooksville and right, you want to go over to Castine as a Superfund site. These are deregulated industries who got through all the permitting processes and made a mess out of our coast. I mean, I was going to say, look, this, this process of, of land-based salmon farming is, is approved by the, the, the Atlantic Salmon Federation. They have spent years trying to protect wild salmon populations in Maine and Canada and in the U.S. and around the world. They approve of this. And the Monterey Aquarium Seafood Watch, which is really the gold standard for sustainability, uh, ha- approves the, this kind of land-based salmon farming. So uh, groups that have been involved with these issues and issues of sta- sustainability for years uh, that, that have no no dog in this fight have said that, yes, th- th- this, this is the way to go. All right. We're going to... Uh Thank you uh, for your patience, caller. We have uh, Yo next. Welcome to the program, Yo. Good morning. This is Yo in Acadia. Sustainability is an urban myth. Capitalism is a growth. There is only one Earth. Thank you for putting on this program, and thank you to everyone for being Community Radio. All right, and uh, the I phone number. I want to say hi, like Yo. <laughs> he was a good Belfast resident for a while, and uh, we right. kind of miss him. Right. If we do have the phone ring, I was going to give the phone number. We're actually not getting to any of my questions, so we might have to do this again sometime. But it's great because callers are keeping it going. Feel free to direct an occasional question to uh, Ellie Daniels or uh, Jim Merkel, who are with us here. And uh, I think, regardless of where this next question gets directed, we're going to try to make sure that they get equal time to participate here because the questions have been mostly directed at uh, Ted O'Meara and uh, and uh, Mike Hurley. Um, 
But again, if you're just joining us, we're talking about the proposal to build a salmon aqua farm in Belfast. And we have Ridgely from Belfast joining us now. Welcome to the program, Ridgely. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call, and thank you for putting on this um, program. One of the things that, that I'm – first, I'd like to make a comment. And one is that one of the talking points that um, North Aqua Farms continues to use is all the importing of fish especially farm-raised fish and salmon. But you can go and get Maine farm salmon right off of our coast. You can buy it at Hannaford. You can buy it in Belfast. We don't at the farmer's market even. We don't need to be importing salmon at all. And I'm just tired of hearing that as a talking point. And then the second, because you keep talking about, you know, the expense of bringing in salmon and um, the flight, um, the carbon footprint, but actually, you know, I want to point out that originally Eric Hine, who was the, the president, was going to live in Belfast and be our neighbor, and now his plan is to live in Portland and to commute to Belfast. Well, that certainly is going to add to a carbon footprint even before this is even constructed. Um, and I would really like to know, to Mike Hurley, what has been the cost of supporting, investigating this program, this project? What has been the cost to Belfast taxpayers, both in terms of dollars, because I know that you've made some promises in the future to help pay for um, desalinization and stuff, but already I'd like to know exactly what has been the cost to date in terms of time and dollars that the city of Belfast has put into this project. Thank you. Thank you, Ridgely. That's uh, actually a great uh, question, and I really appreciate it. Uh, very little to date. We've spent some money on legal fees, uh, obviously a lot of time, uh, and time is money, but uh, we haven't spent that real money yet. Uh, we have committed to uh, uh, that we are at least willing to purchase uh, uh, and protect the uh, trail along the reservoir. Uh, that number was uh, somewhere under 300000 And we also pledged uh, $20,000 a year to help uh, dechlorinization. But the reason uh, it's an important question is, and it goes to my motivation as a city councilor, is, you know, where Jim lives on Patterson Hill, he's right above a school that 80% of the kids get uh, qualify for uh, free lunch. Uh, I, as a city councilor, we deal constantly with people who are losing or uh, taxed and feel they're going to lose their homes. Eighty uh, percent is a huge number. My motivation on all this is the valuation. And I have to, you know, view on one hand, what's the cost to the neighborhood? What's the cost to uh, the water, et cetera, et cetera, like that? And what's the plus for Belfast? And I can tell you my motivation is is to lower taxes and lower the tax burden. All right. We are uh, quickly running out of time. I think uh, we have one more caller, and we're going to take that call real quick. That's going to be the last call we take because I want to leave a minute for people to respond. And like I said, I want to also, uh, with this next caller, uh, please make your comment or question, but we're going to try to get Ellie and Jim to respond to this one. I know a lot of the questions have been directed at our other guests. Go ahead, Robert from Belfast. Welcome to Main Currents. Hello, thank you for uh, putting on this program. My question is, are a lot of the uh, justification for this aqua farm is that it provides protein that people need. I'd like to know whether what the, uh, is going to be fed to all these salmon and whether we couldn't eat what's being fed to them. 
for example, herring. There are lots of recipes for herring and ale lives. Thank you. All right. Uh, Ellie, Jim, quick things you want to weigh in on that before we let Ted respond to it, because he's the one who's going to actually have the answer yeah. to that, I think. Well, the, the, uh, sure. I, oh, go, I, I'd go be ahead, glad Ellie. to. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think that's a really great question, and I think that uh, it's, it's really uh, each of us should ask ourselves why it is that we now, as Americans, think that we need to eat uh, salmon every single week. I think that, uh, you know, this is like back in pioneer days, if you had an orange at, uh, at Christmas time, that was like a wonderful treat. And salmon, wild-caught salmon, continues to be a wonderful treat for me. I don't need to eat it every single week. In fact, we need to eat a more plant-based diet for uh, the planet. There's nobody who can um, convince me otherwise. I also want to uh, comment about the uh, city council's um, uh, belief that somehow we're going to have a a magic bullet for our tax problems in town because uh, I've been uh, in town doing business in town through the arrival of MBNA and and Bank of America and Athena and Front Street and numerous smaller businesses. And it is true that our valuation goes up, which uh, causes our, um, our school subsidies and our county subsidies for, uh, for education and infrastructure to go down and our county taxes to go up. And uh, basically, you get a little bubble and then it levels out and things are uh, just like they were before, uh, which is pretty overwhelming for um, most of us. These are universal problems. They're happening all over Maine, all over the country right now. And the answer is not to invite a great big CAFO industrial fish farm into a community. All right. We have uh, just five minutes left to the program, really. So very, very quickly, Jim Merkel. And then if there's still time, I'm going to have you each take one minute for a final thought. So think, collect your thoughts and think about what you want to say. Jim Merkel, go ahead. Yeah. When we talk about cost to taxpayers, there's a cost of democracy, I find because it hasn't been democratic. I don't feel involved in all the people I'm meeting with. We have a meeting that meets every week to discuss this and fight it and getting lawyers involved and everything. We're going to fight it tooth and nail. And they're going to go down, I think. I feel like we're going to stop it just like we stopped the big propane tank because I think it's as big of a threat. And, you know, I met with Joe Slocum. We met for two hours, and I said, Joe, how much time have you spent your city staff on this project? Do you have – Records. I want to see it. He says, oh, I don't keep records of what I charge to my projects to. He says, a lot. Talking about eight to ten months of staff time being chewed up. That's hundreds of thousands of dollars being given. I think call that a subsidy to an industrial applicant. Okay, let me, let's leave that there. And I realize we didn't get back to what are the fish actually going to eat. And that actually is a big question mark right now. There's a, a article in the Free Press by Christine Parrish that goes into that. Uh, I'll put a link to that with the archives of this show, but Ted, you want to respond they, to that? They are me? not going to be eating any small fish harvested off the coast of Maine or, or, or New England. Uh, the fish formulation is something that's going to be worked out over the next year as the, the industry is going to less and less in terms of protein and fish meal. There are a variety of sources that are being looked at, cut off from other kinds of fish, uh, but we are... Uh, absolutely not going to contribute to the decima- decimation of one species off the coast of Maine to feed another one. All right. Uh, like and, I said, and, and I just got to say, you know, the comparison of this to a hog farm is really offensive. I've never lived near a hog farm in Iowa, but I understand they are big and smelly and loud. And this is going to be something that 
is going to fit into the landscape, that is going to be built to, you know, the highest standards of, of, of sustainability and fitting in. And, and so, you know, to compare it to a hog farm is really just a scare tactic. And, we, and if, if I could just add one other thing. Very, uh, very quickly. we are Nordic Aqua Farms hired its, its first aquaculture employee um, last week, a young man who born and raised in Maine, went to Florida to get his master's degree in aquaculture, was dying to get back to Maine, but there weren't any opportunities. He read about this project. He contacted Eric Heim. They got together. And he's now been hired. You know, our biggest export in Maine is, is our young people. Okay. And I, point made, but let's, let's, let's wrap this up because we are running out of time. And I'll put links to all of your different pages so people can get more information because we have really just scratched the surface here. Like we said, didn't get to a single question that I had written down, so we're going to definitely have to do this again. And I appreciate all the callers, but we are out of time. One minute. I'm pulling the names uh, again that I had from earlier, which I folded way too well to see who uh, who takes one last minute to uh, summarize. Mike, you go first. You've got one minute. Okay, i got one minute. So uh, thank you. Uh, really, I could do 60 minutes, but thank you. Uh, the, one thing is, is people dismiss, and you just heard Ellie dismiss the tax benefits and the valuation, and I've had very reasonable people just dismiss it 100%, but that's my 100% motivation. People tout the most suspect science as truth and it, you know but yet when we're talking about taxes which are pretty easy to substantiate they dismiss it so Ted, you're uh, up next. we'll keep it going I, I, an old friend of mine came to the last information meeting we had in Maine, and he's someone who has worked around the state with businesses and communities for the last 25 years. And he listened to the presentation. He listened to the question. And as he was walking out the door, he looked at me and he said, what is not to like about this project? And, and that's where I come down. I think this is a project that has huge benefits for Maine. It has huge benefits for Belfast and the Midcoast. It is, it is really uh, putting us on the leading edge of, of where aquaculture is going, and, and I think the I, I appreciate the concerns that, that people have, but I think when all is said and done, this is a project that is going to have huge benefits for our state, and we are going to look back and say, uh, years from now, saying this was a, was a major achievement to get this here. All right. Jim Merkel, you are up next. Okay. I think these are really great spin doctors, and I just haven't had the Kool-Aid yet. And I think they're guilty till proven innocent. People are innocent till proven guilty. Industry, because of their track record, is guilty till proven innocent. And the comeback to me is so exciting of Elwives, and we could really have a fishery return. And I want my son to see that, and I'm fighting for him to have a livable future. All right. And Ellie Daniels, you get the last word. Thank you. Well, uh, I want to say that my grandparents are Mainers, and, uh, you know, my grandfather always used to say, you've got to have more than one string on your bow. And I think that's really uh, wisdom to live by for Mainers. We don't have a lot of money in Maine. We do have a lot of riches, and uh, riches and the Belfast area, as as a couple callers alluded to, are um, exactly what makes us what we are. So, I am all for a diversified economy. Um, I, I would not say that I had any 100% motivation, and it's certainly not about taxes or money. Um, it is about a diversified, uh, uh, sustainable, kind of uh, empowered future that, uh, that includes all the voices that Thank- live in our community. Thank you. We're going to have to leave it there. And 
Uh, we will put up links to all the different groups and to the uh, Nordic Aqua Farms page so you can learn more for yourselves. You've been listening to Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture. My guests today were Ellie Daniels, owner of the Green Store in Belfast, Belfast City Councilor Mike Hurley, Nordic Aqua Farms spokesperson Ted O'Mara, and Belfast resident Jim Merkel, author of Radical Simplicity, Small Footprints on a Finite Earth. John Greenman was our engineer today. I'm Amy Brown. Thanks for listening. Join me here now on the first Thursday of every month from 10 to 11 o'clock with random specials throughout the month. And you can catch our programs on our archives at weru.org if anyone missed this that you want to turn them onto that website. Uh, Stay tuned next for uh, Mark Dyer with On the Wing here on Community Radio WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at weru.org. The framers of the U.S. Constitution were clear in setting boundaries between church and state. So why have there been so many attempts to frame the U.S. as a Christian nation? 